Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. We all know the difference between just having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of the pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, everyone who's tuning in to this podcast. Of all the podcasts that you could be listening to, thanks for choosing us today. I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Wendy J. Olson. The J is very important because it it helps the name have a nice ring to it. Wendy J. Olson. (laughs) But um, I'm so excited to just share her story. And she's going to be talking to us about, well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to spoil it. So, Wendy, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, your family, what you do, and fun fact. Yeah. So, um, my name is Wendy. And I have to say first, I am from Long Island, New York. I like to preface with that before I tell people where I actually live, which is I live in Texas. Um, I actually grew up in Houston. I moved to Texas when I was nine, but now I live in the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I live on two acres, my husband and my two kids. I'm a healing coach. I walk with women through their stories of past hurts and traumas. I also founded a grassroots nonprofit called Grit Plus Gumption Farmstead. Um, they started with a good friend of mine back at the end of 2020. We serve women survivors of domestic violence and sexual exploitation by providing um, free therapeutic services, hosting monthly get-togethers to build community. We take them on healing retreats four times a year, one per season. My other job, as I have three, is I help run an <laughs> online magazine called Macaroni Kid, which is a national magazine with a local presence that provides fun, family-friendly activities for like people that are local to our community. Um, so that's everything I do. And then um, a fun fact about me, uh, well, I grew up on an island, so I love going to the beach, right? Mm-hmm. But I love, I don't live anywhere near the beach, but I wish I did. <laughs> um, I love to body surf, kayak, and paddleboard. And like summer is my favorite time of the year. And I started joking that I'm solar powered. So. <laughs> I know people who refer to themselves as solar powered. I've heard yes. that before. It's mostly people who like move to Florida because they don't want to suffer from seasonal depression up north. But yeah, no, I mean, even from moving from Houston to to Fort Worth up here, I'm like, mm-hmm. it is cold here. It's cold. <laughs> like we have winter and this is not cool. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. Big changes. Mm-hmm. So, Wendy, tell us, what have you been set free from? So I, I feel like I should put out that everything I say from here on out is a trigger warning. (laughs) Um, I will say that like my story has a lot of facets. I'm a survivor of many things, uh, narcissistic abuse. I'm a two-time rape survivor, survivor of intimate partner violence and sexual exploitation. I live with complex trauma and PTSD. And I currently do, um, EMDR for trauma therapy, which has completely changed my life. That and story work. Um, I used to joke that I've lived enough for three lifetimes. So I'm also someone who's battled an addiction with drugs, alcohol, as well as sex. 
I'm a sober person now, but I don't do 12 steps. Um, my story is just not a typical one and I'm okay with that. Like I'm learning to love the warrior inside myself. And I love to show others that their warrior lives inside them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got involved in the work that I'm doing now, anti-trafficking work through a friend of mine um, named Jackie Hooks, who ran a grassroots nonprofit called Pruning Hooks in West Houston. And <laughs> This is funny, but like she asked me one day um, to spend a Tuesday morning with her um, calling hookers. And I was like, okay. Um, So it was very like vigilante style back then. Mm -hmm. And the things that we did back then are totally not kosher to do now because I mean, so many things have changed in the last eight years, but Mm -hmm. it was a good learning experience. Um, I ended up burning out really bad two years into that work and took a hiatus for two years Um, When I wanted to get back into the work, I went to see um, my friend Emily Mills down in Waco who runs Jesus Said Love. And she told me that the only way to have real longevity in this work is to know your story really well. And I was like, I know my story. Like, I knew all of it because I'd lived it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And she gave me this book to read called To Be Told by Dan Allender. And I finished it in 24 hours. And it turns out I didn't know my story. Um, ever since then, I've been doing story work myself and just experiencing freedom through that. I've been teaching and leading women through story work and then, you know, starting this nonprofit using the modality as well. So I totally drank the Kool-Aid and it was delicious. Um, <laughs> so being set free from and still being set free, because I don't think that we ever like arrive mm-hmm. healed. You know what I mean? Like we're always right. in the process of healing. Um, so still healing dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. and right when we think no I am healed we find more stuff <laughs> oh yeah and then like you t- retell a story that you're like I've done so much work on this story I've got this in the bag and then suddenly you're bawling your eyes out and you're like I guess a- there's more <laughs> yeah there's always more there's mm-hmm. always more and man that sucks but it's a good suck I guess yeah <laughs> yeah it is so as you're doing this work anti-trafficking could you define what trafficking is? As we do hear these terms pretty often now, it's growing in awareness, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But could you define what it is for us? Yeah. So the Department of Homeland Security defines um, human trafficking and actually redefined it several years ago as modern day slavery. And it has to include uh, three things, force, fraud, and coercion in a way to obtain some sort of labor or commercial sex act. Um, Those being the three key things to look for is defined like from a legal standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We work in the area of sexual exploitation, which is a broader term and covers uh, many more instances of coercion. So in a day and time when more things are being brought online for convenience, the market of trafficking is absolutely following that course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the pandemic hit, a friend of mine talked with me about how trafficking is going to change over the next few years. And uh, just as we predicted, it's become to where someone can be exploited in their own home without ever having met their trafficker. So Whoa. through social media, group chats, even some video games, um, people are being sexually exploited at a much r- larger rate than before. Mm-hmm. And um, the term sexual exploitation covers a much wider range, which is why we chose to use that wording for our mission and vision with our nonprofit. Um, we felt like it opened up a wider door, especially to those that are experiencing that more now. Mm-hmm. The awareness is also growing, though. So it's like we have both sides where it's happening more often and more sneakily. 
mm-hmm. that's a word, but awareness is growing of it. So that's also a great thing. Yes. It can be a real catch 22 in the awareness part of things because mm-hmm. um, people think they know what trafficking is. And mm-hmm. then when they realize, oh, that's, or maybe they never realize they just, they bite on to whatever they read on Facebook and then they're like, oh, that's what that is. No, right. that's not what it is. Right. So that's good. What do you feel are some common misconceptions that people can have about trafficking that just aren't accurate to what it really is? People so often will grab onto something that sounds catchy or good on social media and make it their truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. For example, many people believe that 800,000 children are trafficked in the U S every day, probably because they read a Facebook post about it or a blog um, that someone heard about it from a friend when in fact the number came from a conspiracy theory that was rooted, that was not never rooted in facts at all. Um, the study, I believe, came from a missing children's report, but not all missing children cases have to do with trafficking. So if 800,000 children go missing in the United States every day, um, half of those are mistakes. The other third are probably custody disputes. Um, some children are found. And while people mean to bring harm to people, um, it's not always trafficking. And that seems to be like the go-to word for everybody, right? Like you always see there's a TikTok or an Instagram or something of like, I think I was almost trafficked. Um, I mean, maybe he wanted to make a skin suit out of you. That's not trafficking, but like, it's still, he means to do you harm, Mm -hmm. right? So in essence, the word trafficking has become sensationalized. It's, it's been this go-to for everything that's bad in the world. And it's just, it's just not that. Another thing people believe is that women and children are being kidnapped and sold into trafficking, like on movies they've seen like Taken or, or something like that. But that's just not facts at all either. Are p- people kidnapped? Sure. Is that how the majority of traffic happens? Absolutely not. Um, so I think if a lot of people realize that the truth behind trafficking is that the majority of trafficking survivors were trafficked by people they knew and or that over 60% of trafficking survivors are member of the BIPOC and LGBTQ communities, um, they'd probably be less interested in the subject to find other things about. Because yeah. unfortunately, people want to sensationalize what's relevant to them and not the actual truth. Wow. So even as you are working with survivors of sexual exploitation, how did you construct your theology of social justice when you're looking at something that's so wrong in the world? See, this is such a hard question to answer because like what I believe now is in no way what I believed so many years ago when I started, right? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of mentioned we did real vigilante work and like what we did then would not be kosher now. Right. Um, but I do believe that like faith is a river and it never, um, it needs to be ever flowing, ever changing the landscape around it. Otherwise it becomes stagnant and begins to stink. Right. Um, Having said that, I'll acknowledge that bad things are happening in the world, and I don't see that coming to an end. Um, Some people construct their view of social justice as bringing an end to something in their lifetime. And while I think that's a totally worthwhile goal and something to work to attain to, I don't think we ever reach that goal. And that's more of a savior complex to me than someone who cares about reform and justice. Hmm. For me, I love the idea that like we're all in this together and suffering is a part of life. And I also hate that we all have to suffer, Yeah. right? I think that especially as a parent of two kids that I don't want to see suffer, yet I know trauma will knock and has already knocked on their door. 
So it's not avoiding the trauma. It's what do we do next? How do we heal? That's my lane. And that's where I love meeting people at. Trauma mm-hmm. happened. Stuff happens. Now what? Are you ready to work from there? Let's go. You know, um, mm-hmm. that being said, I don't believe anyone, like I said earlier, is healed. Um, as in past tense, I believe we're always working towards healing, but never healed on this side of eternity. It's just a path that we continually choose to, to walk down. You know, our mission statement at Grit Plus Gumption is that we exist to empower women survivors of sexual exploitation and domestic violence to continually pursue holistic healing among safe community. Not that we're going to fix them or show mm-hmm. them how to fix themselves. We're just going to show them a path and they can choose to walk it or not. We can't fix people and we need to get out of that mindset that we can. No good therapist is like, oh, hey, I fixed a patient today. No. <laughs> right. You showed up for them. You gave them a safe space to process, to grieve, to heal. Nobody fixes people except mm-hmm. like maybe chiropractors. <laughs> they're great. but Right. Yeah. That's beautiful because you're just joining in this one part of of their lives and you're not like, let me stop your suffering for you. It doesn't work like that. Right. And even as they're walking down this path of healing, there's still more suffering to come. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep, I keep thinking like, okay, like the rest of my life has got to be easier. Right. And then there's just some like, well, shit, <laughs> that idea. Like, you know, it's just, there's, we can't escape it, mm-hmm. but we can choose what to do after it. Right. Brief interruption here to tell you about subscribing to Head to Heart Podcast. You know how we produce an episode every other Friday, right? Well, by becoming a subscriber, you get a new episode on all those off weeks too. Subscribers get bonus, exclusive, and extended episodes completely ad-free. So that's zero commercials, and they are totally unedited. It's raw and real just for you. And all of that is just $2 a month. That's it. So you can sign up and become a subscriber by going to the link anchor.fm slash Jenny dash Markham slash subscribe. And I'll put it in the show notes for you too. So without further ado, enjoy the rest of your episode. How does pornography play a role in trafficking? So it's an interesting connection that's made here because a lot of people want to say that all porn is trafficking and that's just not true. Like, um, over the last few years, if you followed along with any of the Pornhub stories, you see where people have been exploited online, filmed without their knowledge, and then posted on Pornhub for others to view as massive at massive mm-hmm. rates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there have been lawsuits and all sorts of shutdowns, and yet this site still continues to run um, and make billions of dollars. When you're in a trafficking situation, you do not have autonomy over your own body because essentially someone owns you. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't know that they own you because they've gaslit you into believing that this is your idea. Um, so is there trafficking happening in porn? Absolutely. Is all porn trafficking? No. Is all porn sexual exploitation? Maybe. Um, but again, it's hard to know like each individual situation. I don't like blanket statements that say mm-hmm. it's one way or another. Um, I don't think it's possible to sexually exploit yourself logically, but in my own story of sexual exploitation, that's what I feel I did, even though there are many facets to that dynamic and the victim always takes on the blame. Um, It's what keeps us silent and suffering in in shame. 
no, I don't believe it's possible to sexually exploit yourself. Um, there's other factors at play, even if those factors played a part in your history or in your family of origin. Uh, many women feel like they're also taking back control, power grabbing, if you will, by entering back into sex work or entering into it into the in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's pretty normal, albeit misunderstood way of healing. I think there's just too many issues and factors at play to say decisively yes or no to this one topic. It's like pornography and trafficking, like hold thumbs instead of holding hands. Like they're related, yes. but they're not like fully connected right like like parallel lines that swerve into each other every once right. in a while yeah right yeah believe me i love being organized just as much as the next person but i have found a pattern in my life when i try to use a basic planner it goes like this i'm going strong writing down what i need to do until thanksgiving comes around and then i forget the planner exists until the new year in January, I'm committed and excited to get organized, but once March hits, I can't even find the thing anymore. Have you ever experienced this? Do you ever feel like you want to get organized but just don't have the time to? Let me tell you about Life in Order. Life in Order is a business that makes 100% customized bullet journals to help set you up to thrive in your goals, business, relationships, and personal growth. My bullet journal has been a game changer for me, and the best part about it was that it was already set up for what I personally needed in my life. Now I can keep track of how much water I drink and how often I'm journaling. I also requested to put a page in there specifically dedicated to honeybees, because who doesn't need more honeybees in their life? You can find Life in Order's products on Etsy.com today to get your own bullet journal set up for your unique lifestyle. You can also use the code Jenny15, that's J-E-N-N-Y-1-5, to get 15% off your personalized journal today. So I highly encourage you, take initiative to order one, and your future self will personally come back to you of today, and thank you. What are some statistics that you wish everyone knew about? So funny enough, I'm actually not a statistics person, but I do, I would like people to know, um, not numbers wise, but just that the majority of survivors of exploitation are people of color and people from marginalized communities. So the people that so many communities are taught to hate, right? People claim mm -hmm. that they want to help. Um, but then when they realize what the victims actually look like, they don't want to be a part of that conversation anymore. You've got trafficking survivors in prison systems right now, mental health hospitals, experiencing homelessness. Um, it's not pretty, but that is what complex trauma looks like. People want to think it's one thing when it's not that at all. Um, there used to be a saying that for every 10 times a person leaves their trafficker, they go back nine. And you have to be prepared for the reality of choice in other people's lives. And the fact that you can't save people. That's what I'd really just like more people to know. But people get so hung up in numbers. I did a video a few months ago that was like 800,000 children are not trafficked in the United States or whatever. And they're like, well, what's a more accurate number? And I'm like, uh, well, if you ask or you get to know a lot of trafficking survivors, they were trafficked when they were children and their family of origin. They were trafficked by family members. And they keep that secret for 20 years, didn't realize you know, until they're in a group talking like this is just normal life behavior and realizing, oh, this was different than everyone else's experience. 
Um, so there's no like real cold, hard facts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely studies and people do this sort of thing and study the, um, the models and like, and put together rough estimates, but is there like a roundabout number of, I mean, sure. If it makes you feel better, but like <laughs> you have to think about, um, in my experience, I was raped when I was 18 and when I was 20 and I didn't actually acknowledge it as rape until I was 35. So for 15, 16, 17 years, I kept that a secret. Mm -hmm. So how many people are sitting on secrets right now? Right. Because they've been, you know, guilted into shame Mm -hmm. and held silent. Right. And once you put a face to a person, you know, are numbers really helpful in those scenarios? (laughs) No, no, they're not. When really the numbers that like I want people to remember is that the largest majority are people that are members of the BIPOC community and LGBTQ. Mm. Those are the biggest. That's the majority of trafficking. Why? Because they come from marginalized communities. Wow. So what does that say about our culture and our country that we've created this? I mean, we've kind of created this monster. Yeah. Wow. If anyone out there listening is sitting there taking notes, please write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your mama. No, I'm kidding. Don't tell her. So we do hear the word advocate for many things in our culture. And, and mm-hmm. we would say that being an advocate is a positive thing. How would you define being an advocate? Being an advocate to me is someone who listens. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more than talks. <laughs> uh, they're a friend, a safe space, but they're also holding a boundary that respects the person and themselves. Um, it's sometimes something as simple as picking up someone's groceries when they need you to, or showing up when they've relapsed. It's, you know, teaching them to use their voice, but also being their voice when they don't have one. It's mutual respect, you know, seeing them for the beautiful soul that they are, not who we want them to be or the expectation we've made of them in our head. It's just about being there and using the voice, um, God gave you for those without one. Wow. Yeah, there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about justice and speaking for those who don't have a voice in some way, but I don't feel like we hear about those verses enough. I don't know. When I go into church, right, that's not the verse that I'm necessarily expecting to hear preach from the pulpit for some reason, because that includes this messy work, this messy work we don't necessarily feel comfortable getting involved in in some way. And people take so many of, of those verses, like, I'm going to speak for somebody. Mm-hmm. Do they want you to speak for them? Um, did you ask them? You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember a client we had last year was struggling with the organization that she was working with. And I mean, I wanted to listen. And of course, like the mama bear in me is like, I'll fix this. You know, <laughs> I'll tell them. How dare they, you know? <laughs> but like I had to, you know, skirt like backtrack beep, 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 a little bit and be like, how can I help? I think that's the question that we need to put out first. How can I help? Like, how do you want me to help? Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to do X, Y, and Z, but are you comfortable with me doing X, Y, and Z? That's that to me is advocacy work. That's like a push and pull. That's like a, hey, I am more than happy to speak for you. But do you want me mm-hmm. to speak for you? Because 
so many people can call like call themselves advocates and they're just the loudest voice in the room that doesn't mean you're an advocate it just yeah, means, just you're, means loud. you're loud <laughs> yeah. and you may have you know the funding of a mega church behind you making your voice even louder that doesn't mean your voice is right it doesn't mean that your voice even need, should be heard in many arenas um it just it just means you're loud and someone gave you a microphone wow that's really good so if anyone is listening to this podcast and they're like, well, sign me up. I want to help. How would you advise listeners to be advocates and come alongside survivors? You know, I truly believe this work is like something that you're called to, not something you do because it sounds cool, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, I mean, it doesn't like, once you know the truth of it, it's not, it doesn't sound cool at all. Um, because the truth is once you start doing the work, you see how uncool it really is and how hard it really is and how triggering it really is. So in order to do this work, you have to know your own really well. And I go back to Emily Mills telling me that exact same thing, which put me on the trajectory of the path that I'm on now that completely changed my life. Um, so even before I'd say how you can serve others, you need to make sure like your shop is in order. Right. As to say, you know, your story, you've done the work of healing yourself. You can say that you're a little further down the path than someone else. You can't lead unless you acknowledge that you have a limp yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd say find a local organization and dive in. I worked for years with other organizations before starting my own. I met with executive directors. I asked a lot of questions. I stayed curious. I stayed open. I tested my faith and made sure to completely deconstruct it before attempting to rebuild. I mean, find those people and learn from them and don't try to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. and just be aware that people are donning a savior complex and be educated around that as well. Cause not every organization does good work. Right. Well, if anyone is listening to this and they are like, I just want to learn more. Do you know any good resources that you would recommend of maybe not necessarily how to get involved right away, but at least to learn more about this. Yeah. So actually a mutual friend of ours, um, is, she's a great resource, uh, runs um, an organization called the Abolitionist Collective. Um, Abigail is just someone who has her ear to the ground on what's happening in the anti-tracking movement. Um, she has a great newsletter she puts out once a week that gives all the information um, she, you know, about what we need to be aware of, what's actually truth. She's been doing a series on um, exploitation and trafficking that's popped up in Ukraine lately, really educating us around that. Um, she's worked with Rebecca Bender's organization before, um, which is another great resource. RBI, Rebecca Bender International. Um, survivor Trafficking has done amazing work helping other survivors share their stories in a safe way that doesn't lead to re-exploitation. And also just leading the charge on many legislative issues. Um, my friend Kathy McGibbon Givens runs Twelve Eleven Ministries down in Houston. Kevly, Kathy is heavily involved in uh, change making uh, laws to protect victims of sex trafficking. And um, she's also a survivor herself, having walked the streets of Houston. She was actually featured in a People magazine a few months back, and she's a great mentor of mine. She's. She's the real deal. Okay. 
the Entity Haven, uh, my dear friend uh, Deja Richardson, she runs that down in Houston as well. They do on the ground outreach, meeting the girls like right where they are in Bissonette, which is commonly referred to as like the strip or the blade. It's just the street where the girls commonly walk nightly. Um, they go down, create relationships with these girls. And I actually met Deja's beautiful mother first at a pruning hooks meeting while Deja was still caught in trafficking. Um, another one, Emily Mills, she's down in Waco. She runs Jesus said love with her husband, Brett, and they do amazing work and they help provide livable wage jobs for survivors. He actually runs the stop demand school that male buyers of sex have to take in McLennan County in Waco. They're just, they're the real deal. They've been doing this, I think since 2003, and they're just a staple in that city. And then um, there's another organization that we partner with each year who has helped our nonprofit numerous times called Blackout Trafficking. And um, they help people who are looking to get started in advocacy. They link them with survivor-led organizations and they're just doing great work all around the country. They actually help raise money for nonprofits that are doing anti-trafficking work. And then of course there's our organization. I mean, I'd love to listeners to check us out, reach out, connect with us. Like we're always looking for volunteers, interns, and just amazing people to connect with and get to know. Um, ours is uh, grip. You can find us at gripplusgumption.org or at gripplusgumption on social media. And we'd love to hear from people and, and connect. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll link all of those in the show notes. So what is one final piece of encouragement or advice that you would give listeners listening to this episode yeah everyone has a story even people who think they don't have a story you have you totally have a story and it's never it never serves you well to compare trauma Mm. some of us have suffered suffered big t trauma Um, some have suffered little t trauma but it's all suffering And your brain and body connect that as all the same. Knowing your story really well, getting to know your story, being curious about your story, doing the work of healing is the most essential thing that you will do because you cannot escape. No one leaves this life unscathed, right? There's no one walking around this earth, not even my nine-year-old, who's like, I don't have trauma at all. And it's funny because I meet people a lot that are like, oh, I don't have trauma. And I'm like, really? Because it's showing up in your everyday life right now. But I don't know what it is, but I can tell you by your nervous laugh that you have trauma in your Mm -hmm. past. Knowing your story well, being curious about your story, not being ashamed of your story, not comparing your story, not minimizing your story. That's what I just really would love people to know is your story is important. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and some of your experience, Wendy. I really hope that it just leaves our listeners feeling more informed and then also more aware of the issues that are going on right now and then leading them to just seek the Lord. Like, am I called to help with this? How can I serve? Even if that is just through prayer. So thank you so much for sharing. Yes, we have a prayer team with our nonprofit too. That's one way that we love for people to serve with us is we have a WhatsApp, you know, text thread, but every day at 529, we pray for Samuel 2529, which I don't have memorized off the top of my head, <laughs> but um, it's even when you are chased by those who want to kill you, you are safe um, and 
in the Lord's um, presence. He protects you, but your enemies will be shot like slings from them. That's a pretty good summary Something. of it to me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's close, you know, but, um, <laughs> but just prayer of protection. Like that's, uh, there's always just so much spiritual warfare we deal with and things like that. So mm-hmm. every day we make sure to pray around that. I'd love people to join us in that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for being here, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Oh my yes. gosh. This has been great. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. If you have any topics in mind you'd like us to cover, go ahead and send us a message on Instagram. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. Make sure you subscribe as a way of making sure you never miss an episode. And if you would be so kind, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us. Thank you.